exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. Well, Phantom fans, a few weeks ago, we had Larry Lickstein on, and we paid tribute to Mark Roth. Well, it's impossible to tell Mark's story in just one show, so here we are again. Larry was best friends with Mark, and very few people can speak as well as this PBA champion, PBA Hall of Famer, and USBA Hall of Famer as well. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, Commissioner Tom Clark contacted Larry last week and asked him if he could come by and and speak at the recent Tournament of Champions and hail the Hall of Fame induction, all the new players that were going in. And it was a ceremony at Akron, Ohio, where the famous Riviera Lanes are. So Larry did a standing room only, standing ovation, from what I understand, so I want to know about it. So, Larry, can you tell us a little bit about that speech that you gave? Well, thank you so much, Len, for the uh, kind words. Uh, it's amazing what happens in the world of bowling. You know, Don Johnson told me a little over 20 years ago that it was a, a lot easier climbing the mountain than it has been sliding down. And I know in my heart and soul, you know, I've been sliding down the mountain as far as career and age. And I don't say that in a negative way. You know, we all get old and we all slow down a little bit. And that's something that's fine. We all have it happen. But every once in a while, I get a phone call to speak or do something unique in the world of bowling. And um, I was honored when Tom called me and that he wanted me to talk about uh, Jack Biondolillo, Harry Smith, Roy Buckley, Tita Semez, and Mark Roth. And my first inclination was absolutely not because I'm going to cry. <clears throat> and I had been crying. And um, at times, you just don't know when. You know, you, you could have two, three weeks. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. All of a sudden, it ha- yeah, I'm good. Uh, all of a sudden, it happens again. You know, and you can't shake it. It's, it's like a bad cold. Every time you think it's you're over with it, you're not. And um, these guys were such good friends and idols and part of my life, and not only my life, but the world of bowling. You know, I'm not speaking for just me. Uh, I'm speaking for millions of uh, bowling fans 
uh, over the last uh, 60 years that had the opportunity to root for these people and watch them when they were kids or bowlers or seniors. I mean, you know, we're talking national television. You know, we're talking 60 years of PBA telecast, starting with Billy Wheeler and Chris Schenkel in January of 1962. And this is the 60th year that right. we have been on major networks. So, you know, I finally tell him, well, yeah, I'll do it. So now for two weeks, I'm practicing in front of the mirror. <laughs> so, so I wake up in the morning, you know, I get ready to brush my teeth to wash my face and I start the speech and I'm driving in the car and I do the speech and uh, I'm walking back and forth in the bus and I do the speech and, and uh, every speech is 20 to 25 minutes. And Tom Clark says to me, well, you only got 10 minutes. I says, 12? No, he says, no, 10. So now all of a sudden, with less than a day to go, I got to condense this speech. And it's driving me crazy. And I can't get it right. I I know it isn't right. And I'm, I'm stumbling. You know, I'm just not where I want to be. And for those of you that have never spoke to a, a Hall of Fame dinner uh, in it with Bush uh, Malott and Jason Belmonte and Norm Duke and Walter Ray Williams and the young stars of today, these gifted, gifted, great, great bowlers and their guests and their families and Bill and Barbara Christman are there. And of course, Commissioner Tom Clark is there and Chad Murphy's there from, you know, the director of the USBC. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? I gotta be an idiot. What am I doing here? And I'm, you know, it's starting to bother me as I'm sitting there, you know, Friday and Saturday, I can't get the speech right. So finally, it's Saturday night. All right. I'm sitting with Bobby Jankel and George Wooten, wonderful people. And uh, naturally, Clark is up and I'm first right after Clark. I got to get up before anyone else gets up. I, oh, God. So I I just start talking about Jack and Harry and Roy and Pete and Mark, and I try to blend it, and I get out of there in about nine minutes, and I'm thinking, yeah, I got it. I got under the number. Now, the whole world is betting 20, 30, 40 minutes. I never was bet the under on a speech in my life. So, <laughs> so I mean, there's people that say, were saying it was going to be three hours. You know, yeah. people were going to fall asleep. So, <laughs> so I get done, and every single person in this room stands up, and there's a roar. Now, I know they're applauding for those bowlers it's not just me they're applauding mark they're applauding tita they're applauding these legends that have been on television for 60 years yeah this is this isn't some friday night sweeper you know in the middle of montana you know we're <laughs> talking you know we're talking the hall of fame and usbc commissioners there and clark the producer and director of the fox telecast is there kimberly presser's there Dave Ryan is there. They're all there. And Larry, who's sliding down the mountain, has got to get up there and you know, be Mr. Speaker. Well, I get done, and Clark comes up to me on the mic, and he says, and how about that speech? And they're applauding. You knocked it out of the park. And thank you so much. And now I sit down. I'm sort of in shock. And then Gary May starts talking about Earl, and I lose it right at the table. I start crying. I start crying right at the freaking table. And I caught myself. Then I introduced Susie Anthony, who's there, because Gary Mays and Earl were best friends, and so was Susie. 
And then I lost it again. I started crying. I had to wipe my face. Well, I saw all the responses on Facebook, and everybody said you did a fantastic job, which I knew you would do. You know, there's no no question in my mind. You're the best there is. You're the Toastmasters special of the PBA. But I'm hoping somebody played it uh, on their recorder and it turns up on Facebook or uh, YouTube or someplace because I can't wait to hear it, Pards. But listen, I got a special announcement to make. We'll get back to this in a minute. But Phantom fans, we, we have a special announcement. And I need to make it, so get your pencil and paper ready. And here's a chance for you to get a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt, and enjoy a $10 discount from Phantom Radio. And this 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it saying, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order it at 714-309-7587. And be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. Call Jerry at 714-309-7587. And have a great day. So, Larry, go ahead, give us one last final thought that you have about the speech. Then I want to talk a little bit more about Mark Roth in show number two. Well, first, uh, I can't, I can't begin to even put into words the the absolute honor it was to pay tribute to uh, these five great legends. But I must say, with with um, I must say, I wish I could have mentioned Terry Leong and Rich Caruba and Mark Fahey and Mo Pinnell and Bob Qualick and Bob Chase and my boyhood idol Mike Collins, who was New England's first PBA member. And my brother-in-law David, who was uh, the my first player service helper, and Cliff Saliba, who was a lane man, who all passed away last year. So I can do it today because I really wanted to do it Saturday night, but Tom just wanted me to speak about the five bowlers. And they showed videos of the five bowlers. They showed Smitty, Jack's 300. They showed Tita, cool. of course Roy, and of course Mark. But I have to tell you, um, my phone rang a little too much last year. And when Terry and Rich died, yeah. uh, that was very tough for me. I loved Terry. Terry, although was not a PBA champion, it's not about that. It's about the people you meet as you travel the United States. And naturally, in my case, I started traveling in 1969, and it ended in like 96. But then I went on a senior tour for a year and traveled it again. And um, I would see these people in my life. And Rich Caruba drove with me probably to 150 PBA tournaments in my buses and motorhomes and 18 wheelers. And I knew his mother and his father, his brother, his cousin, Bob and Rich knew my wife, Ann, and they're all gone. And Rich knew my brother-in-law, David, David's gone. He knew Mike Collins. Of course, he knew Mike Faye and Terry. So, you know, there's a connection uh, with all these people. They all knew each other. It's not only they know me, they knew everybody. They knew you, they, they knew the industry. They they knew Bill Christman. They you know they they knew Mark Roth. They they knew Chris Schenkel. They knew Nelson Burton. You know we were a family. So you know when you're a family of, of traveling athletes and everywhere you go in a the country, there's part of your family. They became brothers. You know I, I can't I can't tell you the kindness that I got from all the people I met, and I 
I, I'm just so fortunate that I have a way to reach out to the public through you and naturally for what the PBA did, you know, by having me speak that it's truly an honor for me to mention these people because they were wonderful and they were part of professional bowling and they were out there and every one of them traveled that tour that I mentioned every single one, of them, you know, of you think I saw Monica yesterday, Mo's wife, Mo's widow. She was there because she lives in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And I, w- I went up and hugged her. And I said, there was nobody like Mo and, and we'll never forget him. He was the most unique man I ever met in, my, in, in the industry. I mean, there was nobody like him. He was, he was, you know, he was so different. You know, if you saw him walking down the street, you'd think he was some derelict, you know, <laughs> you know, he dressed in shabby. He looked shabby, if you will. <laughs> but, in, but inside of that head was one of the greatest minds like yourself. I'm not saying you look shabby, but we've met some people with unbelievable minds that changed the game like you and John Davis and Mo. I mean, think of all the people we met where we know we, we were pioneers in a lot of ways and we're not bragging about it, but we were, we just did what we knew how to do. You know, I didn't know I was going to be player service director and getting hall of fames for meritorious service and pioneer and be a guest speaker and all that. All I did when I went out on that tour is I wanted to strike to feed my family. That's all I wanted to do is just feed my family. No different than every one of those guys. But off of that came guys like yourself who, who became you know, the greatest lane man ever and then helped John Davis design computerized lane machines. And look what Mo Pinnell did with technology. Oh, my God. I mean, you talk about, you know, contributes from so many people across the country. There was Bill and Barbara Christman, and I love Bill and Barbara. I was talking quite a bit with Bill and Barbara. That's the American success story there. They started with nothing. They started with, they started with zip and became the number one bowling ball company in the world. They beat AMF, Brunswick, Columbia, and Ebonite, and they came out of a four-car garage in Utah building <laughs> bowling balls. You talk about the American success story. If those two aren't the most – that's the most amazing story of all. And when I told them that, and I said that's the way I look at them, I look at them different than these kids. These kids weren't around when they started. You know, Some of them weren't born when they started. <laughs> for sure. So, hey, yeah. Lynchy, so people are waiting to hear a Mark Ross story. Did you tell one last night? No, I, I didn't have a lot. I, I really told the very sensitive stuff about. Okay. Um, uh, but I don't want I don't really want I don't think the audience wants to hear that, uh, what I said there, but they could probably find it. I It's going to be very hard for me to repeat it today without crying. So I want to talk about some of the fun things. Number one, I don't know if anybody knows this. Mark, uh, a lot of people uh, said that Mark wasn't playing with all the cards. Uh, you know, there's 52 in the deck, and we thought he was missing a couple of cards. Of course, most people said that about me and a lot of other people out there, including you. Yeah. Uh, you and I you and I didn't escape. Take my word for it. Well, Mark Ross, Mark Ross had this thing for a bus in Brooklyn called 8832. Now, you got to understand, I'm not making this up. And everybody's going to say to themselves, they never heard this story. Well, of course they didn't hear it because no one could tell it like me. Now, he's in his early 20s, and he gets on this bus, 8832. And there's something about the bus that he loves about the bus. He loves the graffiti. He loves the smell. He loves the dirty windows, getting up on the worn step, 
sitting in the worn seats. He loves the smell of the diesel fuel and the outside look and the tires and the sound of the engine. And he loves this bus. So he starts telling me about the bus oh, around 73, 74. And then, you know, he'd go home for a week or two or I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't talk much. And he said, ah, I went home. I, what happened? Yeah, I found 8832. I went on it. What'd you do? I said, well, I drove ahead of it. And I, I parked my car and I waited at the bus stop and then it came and I got on it. Yeah, I was on it for four or five hours. Yeah, I went by Coney Island. I went by the old Evans Field. And I sat in there. I said, really? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, he's off his freaking rocker. There's, there's about, about a year later, Larry, I was on 8832. I found it again. Now, you got to remember, there's 3,000 buses in Brooklyn. You know, it, it, you're not, it's not like you're looking at a house rack for your favorite bowling ball. Yeah, all of a sudden, there it is. I, this one fits me pretty good. He's looking for a bus in Brooklyn. There's 4 million people in Brooklyn. He's looking for a bus. So, so it, it, it goes into the 80s and 90s until he moved out of New York, until he moved out of Brooklyn. He, he finds the bus, and he gives me bus reports, <laughs> Now, he's an unbelievable in the locker room. He was so unique and so different that he demanded that I give him 12 bottles of new new skin, Robbie Shirley's. Now, People, if you think you know how to put uh, patches on your thumb, uh, let me explain something to you. The next time you put patches on your on your thumb, try to put 30 of them on there and see if they hold. <laughs> yeah. Now, we didn't have tape. So he's uh, he's got his fingers, which are beat up on the backside, you know, on the fingernail side on the sides, and they bleed. And his thumb bleeds, and he would come into the locker room 45 minutes before roll call, Larry, give me six bottles of new skin. Well, Robbie didn't charge me. Robbie gave that to me. So my philosophy was anything I got for free, I gave out for free. And that's why the industry guys gave me a lot of free stuff because they really didn't want me to charge. They wanted me to give it away. It was their promotion. In return, I had to supply it anyways. One of my contractual agreements with the PBA was, I would supply new skin. I would supply band-aids. I would supply certain tape. I would supply super glue. Uh, I would supply tools. I would supply bevel knives. I would supply sanders. I would supply sandpaper. I would supply hairspray and right guard, combs, brushes, mirrors, shoe polish. I had to supply all this stuff as part of my contract. So I had to buy it. Yeah, I had to buy it. Yeah. In the early years, in the early years, you know, I buy a case of right guard, I buy a box of brushes, a box of combs. I go to beauty supply places, and that way, you know, if the combs got all crapped up and the brushes got crapped up with people using them, you just threw them away and put a new one out every week or two. At one time, I figured in a three-year period there was 400 bevel knives in people's bowling bags in the locker room that I bought. <laughs> so what I started doing is I started engraving PBSC on them. And then if I caught them using one, you know, out on the lanes, I'd walk by and say, hmm, that's my knife. Did you pay for that? And they did not like it. They would steal bevel knives. <laughs> now, you got to understand, no one else you know could say that, Lenny. Right. Thank you. I just wanted, now you know why I got to be a speaker Saturday night, because I could talk about stolen bevel knives. So anyways, <laughs> I would give, I would give Mark cases 
of Robbie's shoe release. And then he was such a fanatic about it. He'd say, I don't want bottles where they're dry. I want it where, where, where the shoe release is lubricated. And he would use six bottles when he would patch up. Wow. Six <laughs> bottles. Led. It was His whole hand looked like it was white with these white patches on them. And I got to understand he was a bleeder. So if he didn't patch correctly, uh, blood would come through and he would rip. And because he made the finals every week, it was 42 games plus practice balls, you know, 700 shots a week. <laughs> so 700 times that hand was taking, you know, a jolt on it. Yeah. And he would bowl uh, 30 tournaments a year times 700. That's 21,000 shots, bro. You know, and these prima donna baseball pitchers that should hang their heads in bucket of dung for going on strike are making two, three, four million dollars to throw 70 pitches and sit down for four days. And they want more money. America's pastime. They want more money. They're not getting enough money during inflation, a recession and COVID. And there's these guys out there bowling every week, you know. 15 20,000 if they get lucky. The bowlers are the true athletes in my opinion. They don't they don't cry, they ain't got no agents. You know, they yeah. they take their heat when they do something wrong on TV like the the bashers that got Sean Rash. And I'm watching these prima donnas watch Antonio Brown walk off the field on Tom Brady because he's unhappy. That two-year-old crybaby on a bowl for a living. <laughs> hey, so let, let me just say one thing about the bus story with, with Mark. You know, when I used to help you in the locker room with the balls and all that, uh, one day Mark comes up and he goes, Lenny, come here. I got to show you something. I said, I'm busy, Mark. I'm checking the balls. Oh, come here. Come on. And he's got a box. So I go over. I go, what is it, Mark? And he opens up this box and it's full of transfers that he got when he was going from bus to bus and he saved transfers and he had them all yes. in alphabetical order. And yes. Yes. He's like the leading money winner and he's got a yes. box of transfers. He showed me. <laughs> yes. He also went to the Brooklyn bus garage looking for 8832. He told me he knew where there was 500 buses and they let him in and he was looking for the number and he couldn't find it. You know, we're going to have to have another show with Mark Roth. I'm telling you, he deserves three shows. So, because I'm looking at the clock, Barge, you're way over time. And, and I'm so proud of you for that speech you gave at the Hall of Fame last night. Uh, I, I just hope it's on YouTube someplace. But Phantom fans, <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for this week. And we will have a third Mark Roth show because he deserves it. And next week we'll have another interesting guest to talk to. And look forward to that. But uh, a shout-out to our sponsors. Bill and Barbara Chrisman from Storm, Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and also Dave Kowalski. He's the former president of the Michigan State Bowlers Coaches Association. Got a last word to say, Litchie, before we go? Yeah, I want to thank those people you just mentioned, Lit. Uh, Brad and Dave and, of course, Barbara and Bill, because uh, they're sponsoring you, brother. And, uh, boy, they, you know, they, they picked the right guy. Uh, it's so nice that you have that kind of support. And I love your show. I love you. Your name was mentioned quite a bit uh, in Akron. And hold on a minute. That's Ernie Schlegel calling. He wants to talk about the solid eight. Wait a minute. <laughs> hold on a minute. <laughs> Only Litchie. Only Litchie. Yeah, that's, 
that's a uh, detector in my RV. And uh, sometimes it goes off when I talk too much. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, so, all right, Farts. Anyways, I love you, I love, you, I love you, brother. You take care. We're going to have a third Mark Roth show, so stay tuned. I will. Thanks, Bart. When you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing, well, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me and soon I